Local news, talk, sports, and the hits of the 60s, 70s, and 80s. Kane 107.5. Good morning and welcome to Bayou Sports here on Kane Radio, FM 107.5 and AM 1240. And uh, folks, man, August is gone today, the 31st of August, Friday, tomorrow, it'll be September 1st. Of course, uh, tonight, football action. Uh, with us uh, this morning on IU Sports, we'll have a couple of high school coaches talking about their teams. One opening up his season tonight, uh, the other one having games already. Of course, uh, also news, um, a little news out of UL with uh, come the game uh, Saturday evening, along with uh, LSU loses another player that won't be uh, available for the game Saturday uh evening against Florida State. Uh, meanwhile, we'll talk about number 10 for the Saints, 10 days till the kickoff against the Tennessee Titans, and I've always today in sports history. But in the meantime, you know, uh, basically NFL teams uh, Tuesday had to make cuts, uh, make their roster come. But with that, uh, there are opportunities for other players that uh, who did not make the team to be put on the practice squad. And that kind of uh, caught my gander a little bit. And, you know, you hear about all the practice squad players and this and that. And basically, when the, the Saints have officially trimmed their roster down to 53 players, uh, but the work isn't over for the coaches and the personnel executives. Matter of fact, uh, the Saints um, – uh, in time, they're going to look for other players along the waiver wire. Players, as Sean Payton used to say, I want to improve my team uh, with all 53 players. But uh, with that, uh, the Saints uh, recently announced uh, the 16-man practice squad to fill. Of course, the team released uh, a whole host of players uh, Tuesday with a lot of them. will be signed to the practice squad if they aren't claimed. Uh, rules changed last year due to uh, COVID, and uh, we've got to break down on that. Of course, there, there's 16 player squads uh, with uh, the practice squads. Uh, That's they, twice they, what it used to be. Yeah, it used to be limited even to 10 before COVID in 2019, and that was set to change under the new collective bargaining agreement. Of course, the number was going to, to 12 for two years, then uh, was going to increase to 14 for 2022, but all that changed with the uncertainty of COVID, and the league increased the practice squad to 16, which will be the limit. Uh, of course, the practice players moving from uh, up from the roster. Meanwhile, teams have more flexibility using the practice squad players on game day. Uh, practice squad players can be activated on game day before the team announces their inactives, and that's got to be 90 minutes before the game. Meanwhile, the player doesn't have to be evaluated or, or elevated, I should say, from the practice squad to uh, – uh, main roster for the move. This can happen up to two practice squad players per week. A player is now uh, able to elevate uh, three times uh, a year. Uh, to be uh, activated a fourth time requires a player to be signed to a regular roster. Of course, the big change from the past rules makes it easier for teams to have players they know and trust on game day and also not to have, be subject to them waivers when they are assigned to the main roster and cut back uh, to cut, rather, to get back to the practice squad. Anyway, more information. The NFL also wrinkled to the practice squad that provides teams with some limited protections for keeping practice squad players. Teams can designate four players every week that are protected from being signed by other teams. Of course, if you're on the practice squad, another team can need a player or some depth, and they come sign a player off your practice squad team with no uh, compensation. Meanwhile, this protection starts on Tuesday each week, so every practice squad player is still available to 
to be signed to the regular roster of another team after their team's game that week until the deadline on Tuesday. Meanwhile, veteran uh, veterans, uh, another change over the past few years is that the eligibility requirements for veteran players Previously, teams could have to f- up to four players who had two years of NFL experience. Now teams can have six veterans with no limit on the amount of accrued seasons they have in the league. Meanwhile, you- you're curious, well, what does a practice squad player make? Well, practice squad players, you ready? Make $11,500 a week or $207,000 for 18 weeks. Veteran players with over two years of experience will make a minimum of $15,400 a week or $277,200 for 18 weeks and a maximum of $19,900 per week or $358,200 a week. Not bad for being a practice player. Uh, In the words of Billy Bragg, if you want to live better, form a union (laughs) that's right anyway in the meantime signing with a practice squad teams completed their roster cuts as we all know uh tuesday august 30th at 4 p.m eastern time three o'clock our time meaning uh, that over 800 players just became available teams uh, have until wednesday at noon yesterday to uh, claim unvested players that have been waived vested veteran players that with a minimum of four crude seasons will be free agents immediately or able to sign with any team meanwhile yesterday at 12 o'clock noon on eastern time august 31st which is uh, basically today teams can beginning signing players to their practice squads and uh Practice squad basics, the practice squad players practice with the team. They do not play in games unless they are elevated to the, uh, uh, I guess, the, the squad, the team. Practice squad players are paid uh, per week and can be released at any point during the season. Practice squad players are free to sign with any other NFL teams with exception of the four protected players described or the upcoming opponent as uh, they uh, we're going to talk about in a moment. But they have to be signed to the 50-man 53-man squad uh, active roster of the acquiring team. Anyway, a practice squad player can uh, not be signed to another practice squad unless he is first released or waived. Meanwhile, a practice squad player cannot sign with his team uh, upcoming opponent unless he does so six days before the upcoming game or 10 days if it's currently on a bye week. Elsewhere, if a practice player is signed to the active roster, he will uh, receive a minimum of three weekly paychecks, even if he is released before the spending the three weeks at the new team. So in order to be signed to a practice squad after being released, a player who is not vested veteran first must clear waivers and is subject to the waiver claims by other teams. A lot of uh, information there. Uh, I hope that uh, helps some of you understand what takes place on the waiver wire. Meanwhile, speaking of the uh, practice squad, the 16 Saints, uh, unless there's been some changes uh, from yesterday sometime, uh, the 16 uh, players on the Saints practice squad, of course, uh, the Saints made a lot of difficult decisions uh, over the last uh, few days, uh, cutting their squad back down to 53 players. Of course, uh, Wednesday they were able to recoup some of those losses. Meanwhile, the Saints filled out their 16-man practice squad uh, yesterday, filling the entire unit out of players who spent time with the team in training camp this summer. Anyway, the Saints signed the following players. 
to their practice squad. Wide receiver Shaq Davis, who had a, some pretty good games in the meantime in there. Lynn Bowden, uh, who might be a good special teams player, and Jontra Kirkland. Uh, also, uh, running back Elias Merriweather uh, signed with the Saints. Offensive lineman Storm Norton, Mark Davis, and Tommy Kramer. Linebackers Jalen Smith, who a lot of people were surprised the Saints released him as they'd signed him a few weeks earlier and did a pretty good job for the Saints, uh, a veteran that uh, comes in. Ty Summers, Anthony Orje, uh, and Ryan Connolly were the linebackers the Saints uh, also had signed to the practice squad. Of course, the Saints a little thin at linebacker. Uh, Defensive lineman Kyle Phillips, Jack Heflin, and uh, young Nico Lelos, who had that fine game uh, in the last preseason game against the Texans in the fourth quarter. Meanwhile, defensive halfbacks Jonathan Abram and Anthony Johnson also landed on the practice squad. And after joining the team midway through the training camp, as I mentioned, Jalen Smith made a fast impression. And in two preseason contests, he recorded eight tackles, two tackles for loss and a pass breakup. Coach Allen uh, did not get into specific reasons why Smith didn't make the initial 53-man roster, but he does believe uh, uh, Smith can add value to the roster. Uh, Allen went on to say he's smart, he's instinctive, he's been a productive player in our league. And Allen said, when you think about our linebacker room right now, there are a lot of young players. Having another veteran that has played a lot of football in the NFL is important uh, to have around. Meanwhile, Smith is one of four linebackers uh, the New Orleans brought back on his practice squad. Joining him there, of course, Ryan Connolly, who turned in some pretty good performances both in practice and the preseason games before suffering what Saints initially believed was a serious uh, injury. And the injury was not as bad as the uh, staff medical community initially feared. However, Connolly joined the team at practice Wednesday afternoon. Elsewhere, Shaq Davis, uh, he made an impression, made a strong uh, case uh, to uh, make the full team, but the undrafted rookie from South Carolina State made uh, regular appearances in training camps, highlight reels, and his six foot five frame made tough uh, uh, contested catches. Elsewhere, Davis had to clear waivers after he caught seven balls for 101 yards in preseason, but he's a candidate to join a lengthy list of undrafted Saint receivers to start their rookie year on the practice squad before making contributions down the road. Involved in that group, too, when you look back, Rashid Shahid was uh, on the practice squad, along with Jawan Johnson, who now on the 53-man roster. Meanwhile, the Saints also brought back, brought back defense in Nico Alelos, who suffered stuff the stat uh, sheet in his last preseason game. He had seven tackles, four sacks, five tackles for loss, and two pass breakups. There were a couple of notable players the Saints may have wanted to keep, but uh, who did not uh, make their way back on the team. Of course, tight end Lucas Kroll, who led the Saints in receiving during the preseason, became the latest Saints player uh, to join the Denver Broncos. <laughs> Sean Payton uh, seems like he's been picking off uh, uh, Saint players. And also the Carolina Panthers claimed offensive lineman Calvin Throckmorton, uh, who a lot of people thought would make the uh, practice squad, but uh, the uh, Panthers took advantage of his uh, uh, expertise and he started a few games for the Saints uh, uh, over the years. So, uh, Jeff, uh, pretty much uh, practice squad. And, uh, of course, as I said, uh, they can still be taken. Of course, you can, I didn't realize you could t- protect four players. That was something new that I learned. And uh, Protect them, but do you have to do something with them? Well, I, I think you can protect them, but you've got to announce it each week. 
uh, uh, I think the uh, mentioned like uh, Tuesday. But so, you don't have to guarantee them uh, elevation at any point. No, that's okay. correct. That's correct. But you can t protect for you know, uh, uh, and also you can put them on the team um, uh, just uh, I guess a couple hours before when you have to announce your 53-man roster. You know, there's a lot of playing and shuffling along. Uh, some players might do things better against certain teams, and uh, it's. Anyway, but uh, it's still tough to understand. But they're compensated very well. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, uh, a lot of people out there don't make the money uh, these practice squad players make. But uh, they're compensated pretty well. Uh, of course, uh, yeah, I'm sure they want to play in the games just like kids that are on the second and third team in colleges and enter the transfer portal. But in the meantime, uh, interesting as, uh, as it is with the transfer portal, of course, the Saints uh, – as uh, most teams do, still trying to look at uh, uh, opportunities to uh, update their roster and get things back. Also, uh, sticking around with the NFL, looks like Joe Burrow has returned to practice uh, yesterday, just over a month after he went down with that calf strain. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how uh, he plays here in week one. Uh, other news uh, uh, around uh, the sporting world uh, with that, uh, just looking, uh, of course, yesterday they had the record-setting crowd up in Nebraska for that big volleyball game. That stands alone, not just in volleyball, but the world. Anyway, uh, the historic night up there in uh, Nebraska, the Cornhuskers, uh, uh, the ladies' world record for attendance at a women's sporting event uh, Wednesday. They had 92,003 fans at Memorial Stadium for a match against Omaha. That number previously broke uh, the 91,648 set at uh, uh, Barcelona in women's uh, soccer last year. It also set the attendance record for Memorial Stadium where the Huskers play football. So, uh, anyway, pretty interesting volleyball match. So they had more for volleyball than Nebraska football's ever had? Is that what I just heard? You did. My goodness. Yes. Uh, of course, you know, with the uh, floor you put on, I guess, they put it in True. the middle of the uh, field. I guess they put seats yeah, all around uh, on the floor. So, uh, anyway, an NCAA record for a volleyball match. Uh, Nebraska set a record with 15,797 last year in a match against Creighton, but that broke uh, one week later when Wisconsin pulled 16,833. Uh, meanwhile, Nebraska announced its plans to take back the record in April, and uh, they quickly sold out 82,900 tickets earlier this spring with thousands more with standing room only. Uh, then they took uh, things further last month by announcing classes would be canceled for volleyball day <laughs> up in uh, Omaha. So uh, with that, the previous record for women, is, it's, this is all women's events, not just volleyball. But uh, the women's event in the U.S. was 90,185 who attended the 1999 Women's World Cup final. Of course, that's when Brandi Shastang, uh had the highlight film when she made that uh, winning goal. Uh, that landmark event for women's sports in this country feels like it could be another one. So, uh, anyway, the 2 million, uh, 120,000 uh, million, that's how much uh, – uh, 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 I want to say that's how much of Nebraska volleyball made in ticket sales in revenue in 2021. So uh, among women's teams in public uh, schools, only the University of Connecticut uh, basketball made more money. So uh, pretty interesting numbers there, Jeff. Uh, in that, yeah, no uh, doubt about it. Uh, and kudos uh, to having built that kind of a program that, uh, and again, in an area of uh, you know football domination for such a long time 
and it's a fall sport. Obviously, they they played last night, uh, so they're competing against, you know, the football team uh, to some degree. People have X amount of revenue to spend on athletics uh, maybe uh, at any one time, and the the idea that they're generating that revenue, good for them. Yeah, it sure uh, looks at it. Anyway, uh, um, you know, the AP poll uh, came out earlier this week, uh, the initial poll for the uh, top 25 in collegiate football. Uh, A little fun stat here. Uh, The top 16 teams in the college AP poll are from 16 different states. You know, you had Georgia, Michigan, Ohio State, Alabama, LSU, USC, Penn State, Florida State, Clemson, Washington, Texas, Tennessee, Notre Dame, Utah, Oregon, and Kansas State. And uh, and by 2024, those 16 schools from 16 different states will represent just four conferences, plus uh, Notre Dame, for that matter. So, uh, anyway, pretty interesting uh, with that. You'd like to think that would be the case most of the time, uh, that you have – one dominating college yeah. in, in that, you know, obviously LSU. It's, it's going to be rare. I mean, UL Lafayette uh, got into the top 25 on a couple of occasions, but it's going to be pretty rare a team other than LSU gets into the top 25, and that's the case most of the time. Um, you know, uh, you, you've got your flagship university, uh, and that's the team, uh, you know, I think of Wisconsin. Wisconsin's got a great uh, program of University of Wisconsin Green Bay, University of Wisconsin Milwaukee. These schools uh, are never going to make the top 25. There's some pretty good basketball programs in there, but but again, uh, they're usually Division II football programs. I don't know if there is another uh, Division I football program in, say, the state of Wisconsin. I tend to agree with you. Minnesota, Uh, similar situation. Yeah. Uh, you know, yep. you know, very few schools like or states like Michigan or uh, Mississippi, uh, Alabama do have uh, power five teams, uh, two power five teams uh, in their respective states. California, of course, does uh, Texas, but the size of those schools, uh, states, I mean. You know. Yeah, uh, quite large. Of course, you do have a few states uh, in the Southeastern Conference. Uh, you know, you have uh, Mississippi, Alabama and uh, Georgia, along with Florida. And uh, the North Carolinas, uh, South Carolina has uh, both South Carolina and Clemson, Tennessee, uh, Vanderbilt and Tennessee, along with Memphis. So uh, some uh, some states, you know, have uh, main schools, but uh, a but state Vanderbilt like, not often rocking the top twenty-five. No, <laughs> not in football, but you know not they in do. Football. They do uh, occasionally in basketball, and most certainly the last twelve, fifteen years in baseball. Oh yeah. Anyway, found an interesting article here that before we take our first break in a few moments, thirty-six years ago today in Williamsport. Uh, 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 and in, it was in Double A baseball. Catcher Dave Bresnan uh, etched his name in baseball lore by pulling off the big potato caper. And I don't know if you remember this. Uh, uh, Bresnahan uh, carved a potato that looked like a baseball, snuck it in onto the field purposely to overthrow a pickoff attempt to entice a runner on third to come home and tag him out. But once the umpire realized what had happened, he called the runner safe at home. Bresnahan's manager then pulled him from the game, and the team released him the next day, effectively ending his career. It wasn't all bad, though. The Bills held on to Dave Bresnahan. Potato night the following uh, season where fans paid $1 and a potato for entry 
the play was reenacted and breasted number 59 was retired. Anyway, incredible uh, with that. So <laughs> the big potato caper. Also, I, I wonder where this kid was in the pecking order anyway. Yeah, uh, you know, uh, like he had nothing to lose yeah, by doing baseball, that. You know? you know, they might have had a kid behind him uh, who was a, uh, a prospect. Anyway, uh, just to quote real quick, uh, Lou Gehring had uh, play, to play in 2,130 consecutive games. He hit 340. For his number to be retired, and uh, Brezhnehan uh, said, "All I had to do was bat 140 and throw a potato to make myself a legend." Mm. <laughs> anyway, uh, doesn't what, even have a disease named after him. <laughs> that is that is correct. That is correct. I don't know if you remember this one in 2001. Danny Alamante, the scandal came up uh, to an end when an investigation revealed that the Little League World Series pitching phenom was 14, not 12 causing his team's wins to be retroactively forfeited. So uh, I can remember that taking place back in the day. So uh, with that, um, meanwhile, also uh, seven games. Um, um, I'm just looking at some notes here. Week one of the college football season begins tonight with an 11-game slate, seven games featured in the FCS teams, and four F. FBS versus FBF teams. We got Kent State at uh, Central Florida, North Carolina State uh, at UConn, Nebraska at Minnesota, Florida at uh, Utah. That might, that's going to be a pretty good game as Billy Napier brings his Gators uh, out to Utah to play. Of course, on the tube tonight, the Braves and the Dodgers, uh, two of the top teams in the National League. The U.S. Open's just getting underway uh, with that, so uh, – well, if you want to watch that, uh, that's on the tube tonight uh, with that. Of course, uh, with that, uh, we're hoping to uh, take our first break here and then have on uh, Coach uh, Terry Martin with the Lorville Tigers. In the meantime, you're listening to Bayou Sports here on the last day of August, the 31st. We'll be back uh, with more right after this. Hey, guys, if you're looking for the top golf experience in Iberia Parish, you need to look no further than Kane Row Golf and Turf Club. Low or high handicappers will enjoy the beautiful greens, the recently refurbished sand traps, and incredibly plush fairways. And by the way, you don't have to be a golfer to enjoy Cane Row. The brand new clubhouse sports some of the best burgers, pizza, wings, and many other choices along with absolutely the best, most potent margaritas that you've ever tried. So whether it's golf, food, or just some fun, come to Cane Row and enjoy. Nowadays, none of us can be without adequate insurance coverage, but we still want to be sure we're getting the best value for the money. That's why so many people call the Schwing Insurance Agency to get a quote. The Schwing family has been handling the insurance needs of businesses and homeowners for almost 80 years. You can depend on Schwing Insurance to find the coverage you need at the best price. So before you buy a new policy or renew an existing one, call the Schwing Insurance Agency for a quote at 365-2357. Schwing Insurance, 300 East Main, across from the shadows. At home furniture now through labor day monday save like never before amazing prices plus low low payments through labor day monday five-piece dining set eight dollars a month sofa ten dollars a month queen bedroom 31 dollars a month low low payments with no money down special financing up to 60 long months plus fast next day delivery remember offers like these don't happen every day and after labor day monday they're history at home furniture plus bedding see store for details why are interscholastics sports called the last classroom of the day? Because they teach students important life lessons like teamwork, accountability, and perseverance. School sports are so much more than a game. They're about developing the whole person. That's why they're an essential part of every student's education. Encourage your student to participate in the last classroom of the day. 
interscholastic sports in Louisiana. This message presented by the LHSAA and the Louisiana High School Athletic Directors Association. Now back to Bayou Sports on the all-new Kane 107.5. Welcome back to Bayou Sports here on Kane Radio, FM 107.5 and AM 1240. And on the line with us is head football coach uh, Terry Morton of the big Lorville Tigers. Coach, we open tonight. Uh, how excited uh, are you tonight to get going? Oh, man, it, it's, uh, you know, obviously, to me, it's the, the greatest time of the year. Uh, you know, the, the heat's not always that fun, and obviously we've, we've had to deal with a little bit more heat than usual, but, you know, I've always looked forward to it. Obviously, you know, I've been doing this, you know, this is year 31 for me, and, uh, but, but, you know, you know the weather's about to get a little bit cooler, hopefully pretty soon, but uh, it, just high school football, you know, still one of the greatest things we have in our area. So obviously, we're really looking forward to it tonight. Coach, Coach, uh, I'm sorry, go, uh, yeah, but, go, um, but you, you mentioned the heat. How have you been dealing with it these last uh, three, four weeks? Oh, I, I think it, you know it's affected all of us. Uh, but but you know, I think we noticed it uh, last week. Uh, well, one of the main effects, you know, we've had to shorten the practice periods. And uh, we, where we have to probably we're taking twice the number of breaks that we normally take, and uh, when, you know when we're having the hundred degree weather every every day, we were actually taking some of those breaks inside just to get their core temperatures down. So it, it makes practice longer, uh, you know, it makes it drag. You know, once they get in there, it's hard to get them back out. But uh, I, I think because we've had to cut the period shorter, and you know, we obviously have to do still do a good bit of team oriented work. It's probably hurt us some because we haven't been able to do as much fundamental individual drill work that we normally would do in a regular year. And uh, just, you know, I think it kind of hurt us last week. You know, during when we had two good drives going, we put the ball on the ground. You know, just, just one of them, a non-contact uh, fumble. You know, just, just, you know, kid didn't make the, the right type of pocket he needed to make when he was getting the ball. Puts the ball on the ground, they recover it. And then another one, just, uh, you know, uh, one of our running backs kind of got hit from the side, not, didn't see the kid coming, and we fumbled again. You know, so we had two key turnovers. We lost both of them. And uh, that, that, that obviously you, you can't do well when you put the ball on the ground. So I think uh, from a fundamental standpoint, it has affected us, uh, which, you know, this week we were able to get back to some of our regular routine. So hopefully, you know, the, that 100-degree weather is over and we can go ahead and practice like we need to practice. Coach, you know, I'm sure you're going to have to keep your uh, defensive halfbacks hydrated because, you know, uh, Mr. Romero is going to throw the football all over the field uh, come tonight against you. And uh, uh, give us a little, uh, listeners, a little pro- uh, update on uh, on your team uh, uh, having to face a pretty prolific passer uh, for the Erath Bobcats. And, you know, they, they may do that. But, but, you know, contrary to what a lot of people believe about them, they actually are really good at running the football. They are... Uh, they have two running backs just bruising, really strong, physical, tough running backs that, that the first guy doesn't bring them down. You know, they shrug a lot of tackles off. And the years when they've really done well against us, uh, like I, and I remember, uh, you know, my, in my second or third year here, uh, we were up on them. We might have been up on them three touchdowns. And, uh, and uh, Zai had just returned a punt for a touchdown, and, and they started running the ball and ended up beating us. And we, we could not stop them. And so uh, – I got a feeling that what we're going to see tonight is not what people expect. Uh, we, we, when we broke down their Jamboree game, they threw the ball every down but four plays in that whole game. And so, you know, again, you know, coaches, you kind of – sometimes, you know, we outsmart ourselves, but 
I think they're trying to set us up to play maybe a little bit more of a fast type defense, and then uh-huh. they're just try to you know run it up our butts. Is what I you know that's what I expect them to do. I expect them to run the ball because they really run the ball much better than people realize. Uh, Coach, you know, also uh, give us a little background on your team, uh, coach's philosophy. Uh, I know you've always uh, uh, you've been at Lorville now. Which is this your fifth? Six, uh, six, six years at, uh, at Louisville, and uh, give us a little uh, quickly. Uh, I know uh, you've been very successful over the year running the ball. You've had some talented players, uh, but who's going to be leading your team this year at quarterback and uh, also your running backs, wideouts? Uh, give us a little background on your offensive philosophy. You know, I, I think we're still kind of looking for our uh, what our actual offensive identity is going to be. Uh, which guy is going to step up for us? You know, uh, uh, last year we, we lost an all-state running back who was a 185-pound kid that we could really count on to pound the ball in there and help us, you know, when we needed critical first downs. He's the type of kid that, you know, sometimes he might have been stopped and broke tackles, got, got through and got that extra yard or two that kept drives going. And, you know, again, I don't know if we have that guy this year that's that physical. We may end up having one of them develop like that. Uh, we have a couple of kids who really run well, but, but again, they're all in that 145 to 150-pound range. So at times, you know, we have two kids, uh, quarterbacks, capable of throwing it. And so we may end up, you know, actually maybe throwing the ball a little more this year. You know, it just kind of depends on what we need to do. I've always been one of those guys that, you know, if we have to throw it 25 times to win, we will. And if we have to throw it only five and run the ball, we will. Uh, my, my biggest concern tonight, again, you know, we still have a bunch of guys going both ways. They obviously, you know, they have much more depth. Uh, you know, hell, I, I didn't really get an actual count. Oh, it's but they big, look though. like, you know, they have 75 to 80 kids. Exactly. You know? They do. They do. And, and, but surprisingly, they're playing a good bit of kids on both sides of the ball, more than they normally do. Uh, my biggest concern, again, you know, we, we had two starters and two of their rotators out last week in the Jamboree. They got knocked out from the, uh, from the, the Hanson scrimmage. And so, you know, again, one of them is a, it was all district, first team all district on both sides of the ball. You know, one of the best players we have on our team. And so, you know, we, we don't have him again tonight. So, you know, what was going to already be difficult is much more difficult because he's a kid that actually, from the midpoint of his freshman year, was a starter for four years. And so, uh, you know, not having him, we may get one of the others back, but there's another one I know for sure is out. So, you know, we're starting off already the year, we kind of banged up. And, uh, you know, hopefully uh, we, we can get them back. You know, this schedule, I think ERAT is going to be one of the best teams, possibly the best team on our schedule, you know, our 10-game schedule. So, you know, we definitely have our work cut out for us, but it, it's, it's a great measuring stick. You know, it's going to, I, I think, you know, hopefully we play well. It could be a really good game. Uh, but, but if, because if it's not, if we don't play well, you, you know, it, it could kind of get ugly. Coach, uh, talking about some of the off-season stuff uh, within the LHSAA, uh, any thoughts on, what uh, is going on in the courts and what uh, is going to transpire in postseason? Man, we, we're all in the dark, okay. uh, which, again, which is what happened to us. Uh, you know, maybe they're going to do what they did last year and surprise everybody after the season starts. Uh, I think one of the biggest conflicts that, we deal, that they're going to have to deal with is that they had already planned for all the state championship football games to be in the Dome. Mm-hmm. But when now if you increase it to five classes on each side, I don't know if they can even accommodate, uh, the, the, you know, all the games. So it, it's really, uh, it's really a bunch. It's a mess right now. Uh, I'm still, I still serve on the board of directors for the football coaches association, and you know, a lot of the talking just uh, amongst the four officers and and one of the guys that's uh, actually the director of the coaches association. It's, it's, it's a big unknown, you know. Uh, 
he keeps keeps telling us, you know, there's something coming pretty soon, but what I guess he can't say what it is. And I don't know if they're going to file an appeal, you know, a legal appeal to make it go back. Uh, the, the the Constitution actually does says that if something fails, it automatically reverts to what it the last ruling. Uh, I've read in the paper that Dallas just say I said that you know well maybe that means we go back to just five classes everybody together, but what was last done was the five classes non-select and select. Yeah, and uh, so it's it's a it's a freaking mess. So yeah. you know again th- those things are out of my hands. And so I just you know I worry about the day you know today, and and, and uh, you know last year we ended up playing a really good St. James team you know a team that was three eight. Uh, you know I just I'll just play whoever we have to play. You know that's kind of what I'm worried about. You know, it, it had a it had a big effect. You know, baseball and softball wise. You know, our, our baseball team made it to the quarterfinals, but played a team who was in three A, and then our softball team, who was really really good, had it been the, the the old way with you know the five classes. I'm pretty confident they had a really good shot at winning the state championship, but they ended up meeting up with the three A team, who won it all. You know, and lost three to two. You know, so uh, it, it's it's a, a lot of unknowns. Uh, and I think, you know, football obviously is affected the most because it's the season that's already happening. So, again, I'm worried about ERAS and whatever happens, I'll just let it fall where it falls. Uh, the, the one thing Tony and I have been talking about uh, in this year or so that uh, the executive uh, uh, committee made these moves, it seems to me principals have had an opportunity to gather and vote and uh, either change it or affirm it seems to me the principals, by doing nothing, uh, have said, oh, we're okay with this. Well, uh, you know, honestly, just, you know, again, this is just me, you know, and, and I, don't, you know, I could be totally wrong. I think if it would have gone to a vote, it probably would have passed. Uh, you know, the, the, the 5A schools, they don't care. They're playing 5A anyway. Uh, you know, and a lot of the, 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 the smaller 2A schools, actually it benefited them. A lot of the 1As, they don't care either. Uh, I think, you know, the, the, the biggest thing, the, the principles I've said, it's always been by principal vote, and it, this time it wasn't. Uh, you know, when there's a 25 to 30 member executive committee, you know, principals who are elected, and they're the ones that made the decision, but a lot of the principals had no idea that this was coming up. When, uh, when you know, again, when we, when we went to vote in January, you know, I was there when, when the vote happened. They agreed to table it with basically a guarantee we're going to have a meeting in June. But once everybody left, then all of a sudden, you know, uh, the commissioner, executive director says, oh, but wait, you know, you have to have over 50 percent write in and request it, which that wasn't said at the meeting, that you would have to write in requested. So I think a lot of principals just said to hell with it, you know, whether they didn't want to go, whether, again, you know, they claim that, you know, a lot of principals just don't go through all their emails, but uh, they fail to get above 50 percent of principals to send a letter in. And I think it's a lot of those one in five days who really didn't care one way or the other. So uh, it's a mess. Uh, one of the guys on the board said he thinks that, that, that Bonin could call an emergency constitutional vote and, and have a meeting, and you know, if he gets a quorum, uh, again, since it's a constitutional item, it would have to be more than a two-thirds vote. That I, They probably could vote it in. But, but again, I, I don't know. You know, uh, again, like I said, uh, that's, that's just above my pay grade. I'm just going to worry about my kids right now and play where we have to play. There you go. Tonight uh, at home against Erath, uh, anything fans need to know about uh, today's game day experience? Uh, again, you know, uh, it's first home game. Uh, I, I know that I, I've been here in our band. Uh, you know, they're doing a lot of different things this year. Uh, it, it sounds like he's kind of 
starting to, to, to lean towards a little bit of more LSU theme music. I'm hearing a lot of stuff that the LSU band plays. Uh, but I, I expect to be a crowd. We had a really, really successful uh, sponsorship uh, fundraising deal going on. We have where we uh, we went to a lot more stadium signs and and uh, depending on the level, a lot a lot more people got reserved seats this year. And so uh, you know I, I'm expecting a good crowd. It's, it should be a good game. And again, it's you know one of the only Thursday night games in the area. So hopefully you know with the, that this thing again, Lowerville. I've said it in many interviews. Uh, it's, it's a special place, man. It, it's a uh, it's different than a lot of the places that the community still revolves around this school. And, uh, you know, it's a unique place having, having the entire community right around the stadium. So I think it's going to be a really good experience tonight. Coach, as always, we look forward to being out there. Um, we'll be on there about 630, but we'll look forward to talking to you pregame tonight. But as always, thanks for joining us here on Bayou Sports. Thank you all very much for having me on. Looking forward to a good season. Yeah, all good right. luck to you, Coach. Y'all take care. All you right. too. Appreciate it. Appreciate uh, Coach Martin. And, you know, one of the things uh, reminded, you know, last year we uh, had, I think, four or five uh, coaches consistently with us throughout uh, the week on Bayou Sports. But it's also a tough start to their day because right. school's just beginning. And we had our first little one where something came up. Uh, but uh, appreciate him making some time for us today. And again, we look forward to being out there, Keith and I, on the air at uh, about 630 or so this evening yeah it should be an interesting game too jeff uh, in the meantime time to take a next break here on bayou sports here on the last day of august the 31st we'll be back with more right after this nowadays none of us can be without adequate insurance coverage but we still want to be sure we're getting the best value for the money that's why so many people call the schwing insurance agency to get a quote the schwing family has been handling the insurance needs of businesses and homeowners for almost 80 years you can depend on schwing insurance to find the coverage you need at the best price so before you buy a new policy or renew an existing one call the schwing insurance agency for a quote at 365-2357 schwing insurance 300 east main across from the shadows Is it time for a new roof or to repair the old one? Hi, this is Jake Blanchard with L.A. Classic Roofing. We're a third-generation roofing contractor that has been in the business for over 70 years. As a locally owned and operated company, we're also licensed and insured for your peace of mind. We offer free estimates and a $100 referral fee for full roof replacement. Check us out on Facebook at L.A. Classic Roofing. And the number to call is 465-3888. L.A. Classic Roofing, professional roofing solutions since the 1950s. Introducing Six Flags Plus, your pass to a whole year of unlimited visits with access to all Six Flags theme parks and water parks, plus priority entry, plus parking, plus in-park discounts on food and more, plus amazing rides and awesome events you don't want to miss. Get all you love about Six Flags, the new Six Flags Plus, all of Six Flags all year. Experience Six Flags Plus now for just $11.99 a month. See details at SixFlags.com. Hi, this is Boxcar Bajlow inviting you to join me and PGA Golf professional Teddy Slyman for Chip Shots. Mondays from 5 to 6 p.m. we'll take an in-depth look at the local, state, and national golf scenes. And we invite you to chip in with your calls at 367-1240. Chip Shots is sponsored by GolfBalls.com and our local golf clubs, Eagle Ridge, Kangaroo, and Sugar Oak. So let's make a tea time for 5 p.m. on Mondays for Chip Shots on Kane. Stream us live on Kane1240.com and catch the podcast the next day. Now back to Bayou Sports. Phone lines are open to talk sports at 367-1240. Welcome back to Bayou Sports here on a big uh, uh, Thursday, August 31st, the last day in August. Uh, meanwhile, you Cajun fans out there who 
Remember, the game time has been pushed back an hour to 7.30 kickoff. And with that, of course, uh, the Raging Cajuns, uh, via Twitter, said uh, free general admission parking will be moved to Lot E at Cajun Field in the Cajun Dome. Patrons with Lot E passes will be able to park in Lot D. Uh, Parking at the uh, Light Center will not be available as a result of the burn ban. Meanwhile, uh, this Louisiana Fire Marshal game day operations uh, associated with the general admission parking and tailgating have altered for Saturday's football opener for the Cajuns against Northwestern State. Bonfires uh, severely discouraged. (laughs) Absolutely. Not only bonfires, but while tailgating, no open flames will be permitted, and this includes all tailgating activities such as grilling, which would with propane or pellets or charcoal or otherwise, grill pits, fire pits, fireworks, and sparklers. Uh, generators will be allowed in tailgate areas as long as they're elevated off the ground. Compliance with the statewide burn ban will be enforced to help ensure the safety of all patrons. Uh, sounds like a master's, uh, uh, as they call their fans, this, patrons. Also. Tailgate uh, of uh, cheese trays and vegetable trays. Uh, those kind of things. Cook in advance uh, and and just keep it uh, from not uh, going bad. Uh, yeah, and yeah. it's uh, it, enjoy the game too. Cajuns uh, should have uh, a pretty good time. Of course, uh, head coach Mike Decimo uh, doesn't take anybody lightly uh, with that. Meanwhile, some other news out of LSU, and besides losing their big defensive mm. lineman Mason Smith. Of course, the running back, John Emery, uh, out of Destrahan, he will be unavailable for the season opener against Florida State. And LSU will be without the fifth-year senior running back for a Sunday night season opener over in Orlando. Coach Kelly said on Wednesday, uh, Emery, who missed all of spring camp due to academics, will miss his third consecutive season opener. Of course, he missed uh, 15 games across the 21-22 season as a result of some academic suspension, which also includes a matchup against the Seminoles a year ago. Of course, LSU uh, flaunts an embarrassment of riches in the running back room with eight scholarship players in the backfield, but junior Amani Goodwin, doubtful for Sunday's opener also, now dips that bat down to six with Emory also unavailable. Of course, Josh Williams is probable, and he – he returned to Baton Rouge and put it all together in his final season of the program. Of course, he's running back number one a year ago. He struggled on the field this offseason, but uh, missed camp with a knee injury in the spring and uh, limited snaps, looked apart, but will be a key uh, in remaining healthy for the impact. Of course, Logan Diggs, uh, he's active. Uh, he's a transfer out of Notre Dame. Also uh, played it in Metairie at Romo High School. Of course, he played a couple years under coach uh, uh, at Notre Dame, so we'll see. Uh, he'll probably see a lot of action in that uh he uh but he can be explosive a good running back for the tigers noah kane's another one he came into the transfer portal originally from baton rouge uh, played up at penn state and he has a chance to take on a major role this year for the tigers of course he'll continue on an upward trajectory we'll see how he'll do come sunday night amani goodwin's uh, doubtful as i mentioned uh sideline for much of the camp different it's hard to evaluate a third-year Tiger after missing most of the offseason battling from a knee injury he suffered in 2022. So we'll see. 
course, John Emery is unavailable. Uh, Coach Kelly would like to get him uh, academically uh, oriented and get him uh, back up into camp. We'll see how that's all going to come into play. Do we know? I mean, I, it seems they haven't really given a reason, though. Yeah, uh, they, not they kind of assume now. the academics, but yeah, that's it's that's been his issue. Uh, uh, don't recall him getting in any trouble or anything. Of course, running backs coach Frank Wilson. Uh, uh, was seen with his armor on Emory on several occasions during camp as he tried to coach him up while he's running back. You know, battled some injuries, too. Uh, he took a lot of first-team reps. He, he came to LSU out of Destrehan as a five-star recruit, uh, and he just hadn't had a lot of opportunity to play. Did well his freshman year uh, for the Tigers uh, in that national championship year. So uh, we'll see. Of course, Trey Bradford is active, and he returns to Baton Rouge for his third stint with the Tigers. Uh, and uh, Brian Kelly gave Bradford another chance. He's embracing it with open arms. He earned the Freak of the Week award during summer workouts and uh, is looking physical ready and uh, they got a good look at him during camp where he earned a fair chance at playing time and once he gets a few snaps in scrimmage he took the advantage of him uh, he said I'll be challenging uh, Bradford to get on the field this season but this coaching staff isn't shy away from giving him an opportunity elsewhere Caleb Jackson the true freshman is also making a lot of uh, uh, opportunity he stole the show last Saturday in the scrimmage after a standout performance in fall camp, and uh, the true freshman continues playing above his age. Anyway, he broke open for a touchdown run uh, in the scrimmage to get his day started. He also had a 71-yard uh, touchdown off a check down by uh, Nussmeyer in the scrimmage. So uh, as of now, he, he's really lighting it up, and uh, it's going to be hard to keep him off the field to see what he can do in live action uh, with that. So in the meantime, uh, another – uh, big time back for the Tigers uh, was uh, Trey Holly out of uh, Union Parish uh, up in Farmerville. He enrolled in LSU in January uh, where he took part in spring training. Uh, guy was banged up a little bit in the running back room. He, not a big kid. He's 5'8 or so, probably 180 pounds, but uh, he took significant snaps alongside Noah Kane and uh, Shine when given the opportunity. And fast forward to August, Holly earned first team reps on several occasions during camp and into the fall scrimmage. And uh, when his running back room is healthy, the expectation that Holly won't see the field much this season, but look for a true freshman to make an impact in some capacity sooner rather than later. So as the LSU Tigers right now uh, prepare for Florida State, that game, of course, uh, Sunday night, uh, Sunday evening, uh, 6 o'clock over in Orlando as they take on the uh, eighth-rated uh, Florida State Seminoles. Of course, LSU comes in at number five. Uh, before we take our next break and all, uh, I got a story here. You know, you always hear about uh, man bites dog. Well, how about umpire gets ejected from the game? Mm. <laughs> so last weekend, add this to your list that you haven't seen or heard before. An umpire and a player went at it in a minor league game, had to be restrained. It's never a dull day in lower league baseball world. And last Sunday, that was a point to prove it to the max. In the Frontier League, a game between Tri-City Valley Cats and the New York Boulders, a first base umpire was removed from the game following a heated exchange exchange with a boulders player the surreal moment an umpire gets ejected by a fellow umpire after a huge argument with a player I've never, i can't say i've ever seen this either and according to reports and statements from the boulders team president sean riley the umpire had requested the boulders dugout to remove a tablet computer that is allowed for each team in the frontier league the player began arguing with the umpire and was ejected for doing so, and that's when it all kicked off. The 
leading accusations really started it. The umpire appeared to strike the player in the midsection and was subsequently asked to leave the field by the chief umpire. The whole thing stemmed from the Valley Cats manager accusing the boulders of stealing signs and cheating, and that's what led to the umpire asking for the removal of the tablet. Meanwhile, after the argument came to an end, the umpire walked off the field and the boulders removed the center field TV camera in response to the accusations from the Tri-City manager. So I can honestly say, Jeff, I've never seen anything like that with regards to the umpire being rejected from uh, from the game in that regard. So uh, man bites dog, uh, it does happen in, in uh, all stages. Anyway, uh, we have uh, Coach Oliver on in the next few minutes after our break. But uh, before we go to our break, let's go to our countdown. Uh, and we're counting down the Saints September season opener against the Tennessee Titans uh, with a, a look at the greatest Saints at each number. Number 10, of course, is wide receiver Brandon Cooks. He wasn't with the Saints long, but he was the number one pick for the Saints back in 2014, played three years. Uh, Brandon Cooks, best remembered by Saints fans, is a little wide receiver with blazing speed. Of course, right after that, the former Oregon State All-American and the 2013 Valitnikoff Award winner will be remembered as a player who was traded to the New England Patriots for a first-round draft pick. Saints picked Ryan Ramchak, uh, not a bad trade there for the Saints, and it wasn't at all. Of course, Ramchak is arguably the best right tackle in the NFL, and in the spring of 2021, he was uh, rewarded at time with the richest contract you give given to a player of that position. Of course, looking back on it, uh, Cooks was fun to watch while he was with the Saints, which wasn't for long. He played just three seasons with the Saints, and he was shipped off to the Patriots, and one of those years was cut short by injury. But the months leading up to the 2014 draft, Coach Sean Payton and General Manager Mickey Loomis desperately needed needed speed, uh, and they fell in love with Cooks, who was a 5'9-foot dynamo who clocked at 4'3'3 in the 40-yard dash at the Combine, and when they believed they might not get a shot at uh, getting Cooks because they were sitting at 27th in the first round, they dealt their third-round pick to Philadelphia Eagles to move up seven spots where they grabbed Cooks, and uh, meanwhile, Cooks caught 215 passes for 2,861 yards, 20 touchdowns with back-to-back 1,000-yard receiving seasons. He got the wrong side of the coaches and teammates late in 2016. He was frustrated after not being targeted by Drew Brees in a route of the Rams. After that, it was apparent that his days with the Saints were numbered. He played five more games with the Saints, had a promising rookie. Michael Thomas joined the Saints as their number one receiver going forward. And with that, uh, Brandon Cooks was out. And he's pretty much moved around after the Patriots. He was with the Rams. I want to say maybe Carolina. But he's been with a few teams. Don't know maybe if a locker room might be. uh, Yeah, it it sounds like it to me. Yeah. Anyway, with that, other Saints to wear number uh, 10 throughout the course of the year. Of course, uh, way back in 1984, Brian Hansen, the fine punter for the Saints, uh, when he played with the Saints for five years from 84 to 88, and was voted to the Pro Bowl, averaged 42 yards in his career on 363 uh, uh, punts, or the fourth most in club history, also wearing number 10, a kicker. Doug O'Brien, who played with the Saints for six years, ranks fourth in franchise history at 513 points, converted 82.6% of his field goal attempts, which is third in Saints history for kickers and at least 50 attempts. So uh, with that, uh, number 10 for the Saints to wrap it up. 
In the meantime, uh, we're going to take our next break. You're listening to Bayou Sports here on a big Thursday, August the 31st. We'll be back with more right after this. Is it time for a new roof or to repair the old one? Hi, this is Jake Blanchard with L.A. Classic Roofing. We're a third-generation roofing contractor that has been in the business for over 70 years. As a locally owned and operated company, we're also licensed and insured for your peace of mind. We offer free estimates and a $100 referral fee for full roof replacement. Check us out on Facebook at L.A. Classic Roofing. And the number to call is 465-3888. L.A. Classic Roofing, professional roofing solutions since the 1950s. Hey, guys, if you're looking for the top golf experience in Iberia Parish, you need to look no further than Cane Row Golf and Turf Club. Low or high handicappers will enjoy the beautiful greens, the recently refurbished sand traps, and incredibly plush fairways. And by the way, you don't have to be a golfer to enjoy Cane Row. The brand new clubhouse sports some of the best burgers, pizza, wings, and many other choices along with absolutely the best, most potent margaritas that you've ever tried. So whether it's golf, food, or just some fun, come to Cane Row and enjoy. Celebrating 75 years in business, Danos has been setting the standard for generations. Become a part of something bigger and join the team. We're currently hiring for drivers, warehousemen, riggers, crane operators, and forklift operators to work out of Port Fouchon. So apply now at danos.com or call 1-833-GO-DANOS. Great jobs, great people. That's Danos. Attention high school sports fans, are you an armchair official? You know, the parent or fan who constantly yells at the referees and loves to let everyone know just how bad you think they are. Well, if you think you could do better, then get in the game and prove it. It's time for you to suit up and make the calls where they actually count. Every sport in Louisiana needs more officials. Sign up today at highschoolofficials.com. Now back to Bayou Sports on the all-new Kane 107.5. Welcome back to Bayou Sports here on Kane Radio, FM 107.5 and AM 1240. As uh, We'll have uh, Coach uh, Olivier on the line in a few moments. But in the meantime, uh, with that, uh, of course, I've got to remind folks as uh, the, uh, the uh, Cajuns play Saturday night at 7.30, not the original 6.30 time. Of course, the LSU Tigers on TV uh, Sunday evening uh, against the big battle with Florida State. And on the line with us is Coach Carol Olivier of Acadiana Christian Lions. And, Coach, good morning and welcome to the show. Good morning. Good morning. How y'all doing? Uh, good, Coach. Uh, of course, another game under your belt uh, as of last week. And uh, how things going for that uh, by ball game? Man, I think we played uh, really, really well. Probably the most sound um, game that we've had since I've been here. So I'm super excited about that. And with that, uh, Coach, uh, uh, who did you play last week? Uh, the 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 name escapes me right now. Who you uh, and you played uh, last? Was it last Thursday night you played? Yes, sir. We played uh, Southwest Louisiana, which we call Swalla. Okay. And uh, with that, uh, what was the outcome of that game? How, how did your team persevere and uh, win? Uh, what was the score of that game? Since I didn't, uh, can't recall or re- recollect it. Oh, it was uh final score was twenty to eight. Um they they of course they uh we deferred, they got the ball first, they kinda came down and scored on us first, uh got the extra point. Um then we answered back um with a touchdown, we didn't get our two point conversion. Um and then we, we just seemed to tighten up. 
Uh, we just made some adjustments defensively. And like the light bulb came on, man, and the guys played really, really, really well, and we ended up coming out. We, we ended up going into the half of 20 to 8. Um, and then from there, it was just, uh, uh, I want to say we probably played our best game defensively, like I said, since we've been here. Oh, wow. Anyway, uh, what's on schedule for you uh, this week, uh, your opponent, and uh, what are you looking at? Uh, uh, when do you play and what's taking place? Um, we play uh, Mount Olive Christian School uh, from, from around Monroe area. Um, we have them that come into town, of course, uh, last year on our last game of the season, they beat us um, as time expired, 16 to 14. So um, we're excited about that that game and, and the competition level and and, also, and ultimately trying to um, see what we can do to um, come out victorious again. Okay. Uh, we're going to also go ahead. I was going to say, I know you've got a special night tomorrow night as well. Yeah, super excited about that. Um, tomorrow we're going to be celebrating our armed forces. Um, um, super excited that our administration got behind that idea. We just want to pay homage to our true heroes. We, uh, you know, like like I said all the time, we celebrate Batman and Iron Man and Superman and and nothing against those things because it gives hope and courage. But we have some people on our on our own soil that that fight for our country to protect us to to, to be in the beautiful country we live in every day. So we want to celebrate them. All right, uh, again. Remind us, I know you play at Nish, but tell us about uh, those game day uh, times where folks can start to show up and uh, some of the opportunities you have there uh, at the stadium. Um, folks can start showing up. Kickoff is at 7, um, but they can start filling up. Um, uh, you know, as soon as they want them thinking 5, 530, they can start coming in. Um, the uh, Our local armed forces recruiters are going to be there. Um just setting up, letting people know about what they do. Um, they're going to come and, and, and talk to our team, speak to our team, hopefully get them, get them rallied up, get them fired up. And uh, we just, throughout the day, man, we're just going to celebrate all, all active duty and retired military. They get in free um, with either you dress down or you show your military ID, man, and you get in the game for free. So uh, we, we, we definitely are excited about that. We're going to uh, normally run out the tunnel about 7 o'clock. Um, six fifty-seven o'clock. So we love for them to be there for that too. Very good, Coach. Uh, t- tell us. Uh, you, you obviously uh, are having a little more success than you did last year. Uh, what have some of the keys been uh, overall? Um, I think you know one of the big keys is um, allowing Coach uh, Stanford Edwards to take the reins at offensive coordinator. Last year we kind of spearheaded kind of everything together, but. Um, since he's taken that side of the ball, we, we, we've been really, really good. Uh, and then uh, also just kind of really locking in. Last year defensively, we were so focused on changing offenses almost every week with injuries and lack of depth that we didn't spend a lot of time defensively. And I think just install, we've been spending a lot more time on install practices. Been a lot slower, but teaching guys about reading keys and what their responsibility is on, on each and every plate so that they know what their – supposed to be doing and, and then I, I got accredited to um the weight room um guys have been giving it everything they got in the weight room we've been able to maintain getting in and out of the weight room at with the limited amount of time we have at practice it's just an overall enthusiasm we, we, we um had some great kids sign up our team group and in those and in those numbers we got some really really good uh football players uh, some kids that are with some athletes didn't play before but they have the intangibles 
and the more and more they learn, man, the better and better the team gets. So just excited about the total team thing. It's not really no one individual, but it's 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 a everybody coming together and putting the team first. Um, Coach Darius is helping out with the defensive side of the ball. So uh, I want to say I just got to tip my hat to everybody for buying in and locking in. There you go. Sounds like, you know, you're building a program, and that's uh, the goal, right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. The culture, um, and I, I got to thank uh, Miss Monique Sanchez, our principal, and and um, Coach Boudreaux, Bridget Boudreaux. Um, they've been behind it, and they, they know it was going to take some time. And, look, we're in year two, and we're experiencing some blessings. But we know it's going to be a long process, but just having that inciting culture, man, if you can see, our pep rallies, man. I, you know, it, it, it's just nothing short of amazing on what's going on. So we're just getting into that athletic spirit, um, that team spirit, that school spirit, and I think it's starting to kind of trickle down onto the boys. And they're playing with a little swag right now, man. I can't, I can't wait to, for y'all to get the opportunity to come out and see see those guys, man. They just playing with a little swag and embracing um, the underdog mentality of, hey, why not us? Understood. Coach, uh, I, I know you don't want to look past uh, tomorrow night's game, but you got a two-week break, an off week. How often is that the case? No, it, it's not really often. I normally try to play as much as possible, but we have a, a very intense spiritual week um, next week, and uh, we saw the best that the boys didn't. Uh, we didn't schedule a game that week, so we're going to go into camp, man. We're going to lock in. We're going to go into camp. We're going to continue to work on everything, work on, slow it down, give them some ice baths and just kind of get some, some mental reps and get prepared. That's a good break, heal up on some injuries so we can be healthy going into the second half of our district. Real good. Well, again, we'll look forward to checking in with you next Thursday uh, and talk about tomorrow night's game uh, and the outcome. But best of luck tomorrow evening, and we'll check in with you next Thursday. All right, thank you so much. All right, good you luck bet, to coach. you, Coach. Anyway, um, good to hear uh, the Lions doing well, so uh, great for them. Meanwhile, today in sports history, today, August the 31st, back in 1894, Phillies outfielder Billy Hamilton equals a a single-game stolen base record. He has seven steals in one game. Of course, the kicker is you got to get on first base. Anyway, in 1909, A.J. Reach uh, patents the cork-centered baseball on this date. Also in 1918, the Red Sox win their earliest AL pennant ever, as the season ended in September the 2nd, of course, because of World War One. Elsewhere in this date in 34, the first uh, Chicago All-Star game, the Bears and the All-Stars tied at zero apiece, 80,000 on hand to watch out when it's Soldier Field. Four years, or five, four years later, the fifth annual NFL Chicago All-Star game, the All-Stars beat the Washington Redskins 28-16. to I'm sure Sammy Ball was on that uh, Redskins team back then. Elsewhere in this date in 1947, the Giants set a record for home runs by a club in a season as they hit 183 en route to 221 that year. The all-time home run record, I think, was set by Minnesota three or four years ago. They hit 319 homers, I do believe. Elsewhere on this date in 1950, Gil Hodges, the late Gil Hodges, hit four home runs in a game and a single against the Braves. Also on this date, 1954, the Indians beat the Yankees 6-1 to for a record-tying 26 wins in the month of August. Of course, the 31 A's also accomplished that. Elsewhere on this date, 1959, Sandy Koufax breaks Dizzy Dean's National League strikeout mark of 18 strikeouts in one game. 
Elsewhere on this date, 1964, ground is broken for Anaheim Stadium, of course, the future home of the California Angels. Also on this date, 1980, in the 80th U.S. Golf Amateur Championship was won by Louisiana and Shreveport native Hal Sutton. Also on this date, 1987, Curtis Strange sets golf's earning record for one year. <laughs> Catch this, folks, at $697. $1,000. Of course, that mark is way into the eight figures now. Elsewhere in this date, 1987, the Great Potato Incident, we talked about a little bit this morning, as minor leaguer uh, Dave Breshahan attempts to lure an opposing base runner off base using a potato carved to look like a baseball. The umpire calls the runner safe and the catch is fine. $50 in release from the team. Also in this date, 1990, baseball outfielders Ken Griffey and Ken Griffey Jr. become the first father and son to play on the same team. Of course, the Seattle Mariners, the pair hit back-to-back singles in the first inning, and both of them went on to score. Also in this date, 1991, Houston's quarterback David Klinger sets an NCAA record with six touchdown passes in one quarter, the second quarter, as the Cougars Clarba, the La Texters, 73-3. Also in this date, 1997, Don Mattingly's number 23 is retired by the Yankees. Sad to say, Don Mattingly never played in a World Series for the Yankees, who played in them all around him. Elsewhere in this date, 1997, Eddie George runs for 216 yards and a TD as the Oilers play in their first game in Tennessee, beat the Oakland Raiders 24-21 in overtime at the Liberty Bowl in Memphis. Birthdays today, born in 1935 on this date, Hall of Fame manager, first uh, uh, African-American manager, Frank Robinson, born on this date in Beaumont, uh, Texas. Also born in this date, 1955, Edwin Moses, the 400-meter hurdler, born in Dayton, Ohio. I think he won like 120 straight hurdle uh, meet uh, uh, record. That, that's got to be a record nobody's ever going to beat. 120-something consecutive hurdle championships running that race. Also born on this date, 1982, uh, a basketball player born in Mamou, Louisiana. Would you believe it was Chris Duhall who ended up playing up at Slidell in Duke University? I saw him many times in South LaFouche. Yes, uh, and deaths on this day. The great undisputed and undefeated uh, world heavyweight champion, Rocky Marciano, passed away on this day. Died in a plane crash uh, at 45. Uh, Wow. Also dying on this date, uh, Tom Terrific. Tom Seaver, the Hall of Fame pitcher, Cy Young Award winner. Uh, with the Mets, Reds, and White Sox, dies of dementia and COVID-19 uh, at 75. Wow, sorry to hear. Quote of the day, I'm going to go back. Pat Corrales was a manager in the National League and uh, baseball for uh, many years, and he passed away just recently, uh, I want to say maybe uh, Monday or possibly Tuesday. Pat Corrales, uh, he had a quote that, Talent beats experience because by the time you get the experience, the talent's gone. Pat Corrales, who's uh, the late Pat Corrales. I didn't really see he passed away recently. Yeah, he passed away, I want to say, either Monday or Tuesday. Hmm. Sorry that, that, to hear. I missed that one. Yeah. You know, uh, going back to Ken Griffey uh, Jr. playing along with Senior, Seattle wrapped up Comiskey Park, the original Comiskey Park, final weekend, and I was gifted uh, some tickets. The Saturday night game, the next-to-last game at Comiskey, Fourth row, right behind the on-deck circle, the Seattle on-deck circle. And uh, the two were the leadoff hitters. And it's just one of those moments where, looking back now, you wish, like we do today, everybody has a a camera phone. 
and uh, have an opportunity because you knew that was going to be a special moment. You knew Ken Griffey, his father already was a great player, and that uh, you knew Griffey Jr. was going to be a great player. I, I just wish I had a chance or would have captured that moment uh, planning ahead. Maybe I would have, but uh, I don't know if I've ever had better seats uh, at a major league game Whoa. than that one. Anyway, appreciate uh, our sponsors, Bayou Sports, brought to us by the folks at the Schwing Insurance Agency, L.A. Classic Roofing, and the Cane Row Golf and Turf Club. News is up next, brought to us by David Funeral Homes. You're listening to KANE 1240 AM and K298CQ 107.5 FM, New Iberia. The voice of the Tash. (laughs) 